Welcome to the CJC Weekly Bible Study, where CJC stands for Complete Jesus Christ. If your perspective of Jesus is based only on teachings from the New Testament, then your understanding is incomplete. Regarding what we often call the Old Testament, Jesus himself said, These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So won't you join us today in our study where we esteem the newer and the older testaments alike. I'm your host, Jeff Smith, and currently we're working our way verse by verse through the first book of the Bible, Genesis. All right, Genesis chapter 27. We are in the midst of one of the most famous Sunday school stories, I guess, is, uh, as you would run across it if you were growing up in Sunday school. Not to say that the Bible is only appropriate for little kids on Sunday. <laughs> All right, It's appropriate for adults every day of the week, isn't it? Uh, so here we are in Genesis chapter 27. We are in what would constitute basically scene number three. If you could divide this chapter into six scenes, each scene having two characters or two bit players in the scene. This is scene number three. Scene number one was Isaac and Esau earlier on in verses one through four. When Isaac told his oldest son, Esau, hey, I want you to go out and field, get some game, bring it back because I'm really in the mood for some good food, but not just for some good food. I'm in the mood to bless you because I feel like I'm getting pretty old and I feel like I'm going to die soon. All right. So this was going to be the conveyance of the estate over to his oldest son. In disobedience to God's commands before the children were even born, when God said, the older will serve the younger. God had told Rebecca that these two children wrestling in your womb are two people that are going to become two great nations, and the older is going to end up serving the younger. But here we are, at least 40 years later, and Isaac is about to bestow the blessing, that necessary blessing, that last will and testament, if you will, that conveys the estate, conveys the tribe, and conveys the promises, and conveys uh, the future onto his firstborn, not his secondborn. That first scene was Isaac and Esau. The second scene was Rebekah and Jacob. The second scene opened up in verse 5 where Rebekah has been listening to the conversation. And she overheard her husband send away the firstborn to go get the game, to give it as a meal, and then to get the blessing. And Rebecca is remembering, no, wait, this is not right. God said it was going to be Jacob. And you remember we read about favoritism that cropped up in this family, where dad ended up liking the oldest son because he would go out and we'd get game and he would make this tasty food. And it all became about the tasty food. But mom ended up loving Jacob because he'd hang around the tents. And that's where mom hung around. So there became this favoritism thing, and now favoritism shows up again. Mom is saying to the younger son, to Jacob, Rebecca says to Jacob, I have a scheme, I have a plan, we got to implement this plan, and that's what we looked at last week. So last week was Rebecca working out this plan for Jacob to slide in and get the blessing before Esau would. Because once the blessing's given, you can't take it back. You can't nullify it, it's official, and it's forever. All right. So she sees her opportunity. She grabs the son she loves, and she says, quick, go out, get some sheep, some young ones, some tasty ones. I'm going to make some tasty food. Your dad's in the mood for some tasty food. If you try to go in there without the tasty food, he's going to know something's up. And then they slaughter those little goats, and then her son, Jacob, objects. Mom, this isn't going to work. He doesn't object that, Mom, this is a bad idea. He says, Mom, this isn't going to work. Why isn't it going to work? Well, it's not going to work because my brother is so hairy that when I go in, Dad's going to know because I don't have as much hair as my brother. He was born hairy. 
And she goes, don't worry, i got to figure it out. She takes the skin. She covers his arms with these hairs. Imagine how hairy Esau must be if you think this is going to work. And not only that, she takes the hair, the skins, and covers his neck with this hair. And I'm thinking, the, you, how hairy is a goat? You can't even touch the skin. There's so much hair. And that's what Esau's neck is like, and that's what his hands are like. So she's, he's covered in this hair. She makes the food. And now we're opening up into the third scene. It's gonna The two characters in this one are Isaac and Jacob. All right, Isaac the dad, Jacob the son, the youngest son, and he's about to take the food into dad. So we're in verse 18. Somebody mind reading verse 18. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Excellent. Thank you, Mike. He went into his father. So Jacob went into Isaac and said, My father, announcing his presence, right? He's announcing his, he's entering into the tent, if it's a tent. And he's entering into where his dad is. And his dad answers, what? Here I am. And then that strange thing right there on the end of that. He doesn't say, here I am, go and serve me. He says, here I am, who are you? <laughs> right? Can you hear concern in dad's voice right now in these words? Can you hear dad saying, I'm a little confused right now. Right? So there's a little bit of concern going on. I'm going to write this up here on the board. So dad is expressing concern. I would suggest even doubt. All right? Concern or doubt that Dad's expressing in these words. Who are you, my son? All right? By the way, if you have a picture in your mind of Jacob walking in and being a 17-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old, he's not. All right? If these stories are arranged in chronological order in Genesis, we already read about Esau getting married at the age of 40 years old, right? He got married at the age of 40. Esau is a twin. Esau and Jacob are twins. Jacob's at least 40 years old. So it's not like he's the little son you could bully around. He's the big son that gets bullied around by mom. Right? He's 40 years old. He knows better. Right? As a 40-year-old, you would know better. But he's doing it. He's participating anyway. He's uh, going in there. So right here we have dad's doubt or concern. So what does Jacob end up saying? Because here in verse 18, when he says, Who are you, my son? In verse 19, what does Jacob say? Somebody mind reading verse 19. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, seek and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. Hmm. All right. You see any problems with this? With Jacob's behavior here? In verse 19, oh, what I hear? Mike said, liar. <laughs> right? He's lying. Jacob, when he says to his father, I am Esau, was that a lie? Mm-hmm. That was a lie. He says, I am Esau, your firstborn. That's a lie. When he says, I've done just as you told me, that's a lie. Please arise, sit and eat of my game that your soul may bless me, that your soul may bless me. This is covetousness. What is covetousness? It's wanting for yourself what rightfully belongs to somebody else. He wants the blessing. He's coveting the blessing. Mom's coveting the blessing. So we've got in this one little verse, three sins, three different incidents of wickedness on the part of Jacob. Lie, and another lie, and then covetousness. What product was it that it used to be you can't eat just one? Was that Lay's potato chips? You guys remember that? I, I think it was Lay's potato chips. I, it just came to my mind. It's like lies. You can't just tell just one. <laughs> You've got two lies right there, on, back to back. All right, so we're going to put up here on the board. We've got wickedness by Jacob. Jacob's wickedness. And what do we have? We have number one is a lie. Number two, there's a lie. Number three covetousness. All right. 
Stuart Briscoe, he's one of these commentary writers that have been reading in preparation for the study, it says this, This family was made up of people committed to their own ends, which were to be achieved by any and all means, irrespective of who might be abused in the process. Families are intended to support each other, not scheme against each other. Loving is the key word, not lying. Members of a family learn to complement rather than compete. But unfortunately, none of these distinctions were made in this household. And isn't that a sad commentary on this household? Verse 20 then. Verse 20, we have Isaac. This is dad now. Somebody mind reading verse 20. Isaac asked, how were you able to find it so quickly, my son? Because the Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Excellent. Thank you. (laughs) Blasphemy is exactly right. You got it. Wickedness number four is blasphemy. What is blasphemy? A felony. A felony. In God's sight, it's a felony. Good one. (laughs) Blasphemy is any time that you show contempt for, or that you mock, or where you treat something irreverently that has to do with God. He's treating irreverently this question that Dad has asked, and his response shows his irreverence. Oh, your God gave it to me. Your God blessed me in my endeavors. All right, there's blasphemy there. But you also see, do you see in Isaac's words, another example of doubt, right? Another example of concern. Isaac said to his son, how? How did you do this? How did you accomplish this? Right? So once again, there's, there's some doubt. There's some concern showing up in dad's words, in dad's voice. Stuart Briscoe says here, Isaac was not altogether out of it, and he was suspicious that something was going on, which he could not quite understand. Perhaps living in his family had taught him to be suspicious most of the time. Mm, ow. That kind mm-hmm. of stings, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> verse 21. Somebody am I reading verse 21? And uh, Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son, Esau, or not. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. So is he fully convinced by this point that this is actually Esau? Mm-hmm. No. This is another example of concern. Another example of doubt. Dad is three times now doubting that this is actually going the way he thought it would go or that this is going according to plan. Verse 22, somebody mind reading that one? So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Excellent, thank you. So in this situation right here, dad has just said, come near to me so that I can tell whether you're really Esau or whether somebody's trying to trick me, right? Jacob has an opportunity here. He has an out. He could at this point say, oh, Dad, it's me. It's Jacob. Right? He could. Does he? <laughs> no. He takes the next step. He moves forward. He moves in. And so, uh, wickedness number five. Intent to deceive. He's going to step forward and follow through. And then Jacob went near. That's his intent to deceive. To Isaac, his father, and he felt him. Dad felt him, right? And said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. When he went near, had dad touched him yet? No. So he steps forward, but then he could call it off. Then he could step up. When dad's about to reach and touch those goat hair covered hands, then Jacob could have called it off and said, oh, dad, I'm blowing it right now. But no, he goes through that too. So an act in furtherance to deceive. An act in furtherance to deceive. All right. When it says there, though, that Isaac had concerns, what was his concerns having to do with You know, Sarah's concerns having to do with the voice. Mama had made provisions for the savory food. Mama had made provisions that he might touch you. Okay, we got it covered. We're gonna we're gonna take care of the covering. But they didn't seem to do voice imitation lessons before he went into the tent. 
So I'm imagining how this went, and you know, you could probably imagine yourself if you're in that position of Jacob. You're carrying the food, and you're like, "Okay, I got the goat hair on my on my neck. I got the goat hair on my arms. I'm good. If my dad touches me, I, I think I can make it." Uh, let's see. What else do I need to do? Um, oh dear, he's going to know my voice. Uh, how does my brother talk? Uh, Hi, Dad. <laughs> Here I am. Come eat my food. <laughs> and to a parent, that's not going to be very persuasive, right? So he's got concerns. He hears the voice, and Dad says, the voice is Jacob's voice. Uh-oh, there's concern again and doubt again. Fourth time that he's expressed some sort of doubt. But the hands are the hands of Esau. So he's touched that fur. Now I'm thinking, you touch a goat skin, and I'm thinking that that's probably going to feel like goat skin. Unless Esau's really that hairy. <laughs> and he's okay with it. He feels the hands. And even after feeling it, he says, yeah, these are my son Esau's hands. So I guess the dude was really hairy. All right, <laughs> moving on to verse 23. Somebody mind reading that one. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. His hands were hairy like Esau's hands. And then he blessed him. Here it, it uses the word blessed in the past tense. But I would suggest to you, we don't see the blessing until verse 27, 28, and 29, all right? So it's as if the author is saying, and he blessed him, but we'll get to that in a few verses. All right, that's where we're going. Somebody mind reading verse 24? Then he said, are you really my son Esau? <laughs> he said, I am. All right, do you see doubt again? Are you really my son Esau? Oh, here we go, doubt again, number five. And then, uh, uh-oh, we have more wickedness, right, on the part of Jacob? He lies again, right? Mm-hmm. He has a chance to go back and say, I, you know, I repent. Uh, please forgive me. Nope, doesn't do it. He's keeping going. Verse 25, somebody might read that one. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Excellent. Thank you, Javier. Early on in the story, when Dad told Esau, when Isaac told Esau, go and get me some game and make some savory food, some tasty meal, so that I may eat of it and bless you. There was no mention of any wine. There was no mention of wine, but we have mention of wine here. We have the mention that Jacob brought him wine. Could this be on the part of Jacob, perhaps an attempt to influence his way of thinking, perhaps to put him under the influence of drinking some wine? Perhaps a way to manipulate the circumstances? Yeah, it could have been. I'm going to say, due to the pattern I'm seeing up here, that there's lots of acts along these lines of wickedness, I'm going to say, yeah, it looks to me like an attempt to manipulate. I'm thinking that providing wine is going to be consistent with an attempt to manipulate here. And then uh, somebody mind reading verse 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. Excellent. Thank you, Gabriela. Come near and kiss me, my son. This was not part of the original bargain. It wasn't that Isaac said to Esau, go get your game, make a savory meal for me, come back in, I'm going to bless you, and I'm, I'm going to kiss you on the cheek, or you're going to kiss me on the cheek. That's the kind of kiss it was back then. It was kind of a kiss between close relations that you would kiss each other on the cheek, and it was a form of greeting or a form of farewell. So to introduce it here is kind of strange. It sounds to me like Isaac is looking for some additional assurance. And so, as we'll read in the next verse, what happens is, when he comes near for the kiss, Isaac smells his son. Oh yeah, that's my son Esau, I can smell the fields, right? It sounds like Dad is setting this up as one final test, just to make sure, because as we're reading here, when he says, come give me a kiss, he's not sure. There's still concern, there's still doubt, a sixth time of concern or doubt. But as we see in verse 27, go to verse 27 now. 
Somebody mind reading verse 27. Jacob went over and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, the smell of my son is the good smell of the open fields that the Lord has blessed. Excellent. Thank you, Jennifer. And here I'm going to submit to you that we have wickedness number nine. Wickedness number nine, sin of omission. Ever heard of a sin of omission? So let's talk about a sin of omission. When it gets to this point, and he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, once the saying starts, once the blessing starts, you can't take it back. That's your last chance to turn around for Jacob. His last chance to turn around is right before the blessing starts. He could have said, Dad, this is wrong. This is me. I'm Jacob. I'm tricking you. I shouldn't have done this. He could have, but he didn't. That would have been the right thing to do. But he didn't do it. That's a sin of omission. When you fail to do something you should do or fail to say something you should say. Oftentimes we are very comfortable understanding the sins of commission. By comfortable, I don't mean that we should be comfortable sinning. I mean Mm -hmm. comfortable with the concept, all right? So lying. When you lie, you're committing a sin. You're sinning by lying, by committing the act of lying. When you cheat, you sin by an act of commission. You commit cheating, all right? This is omission. It's refraining from doing something or refraining from saying something that you should be doing or saying. And by not doing it or by not saying it, you're sinning because that would be the right thing to do and you're not doing it. A passage for this one is James 4.17. Go to James 4.17. James is near the back of your Bible. Hebrews is back there. It's a 13-chapter section. And then James is a shorter book right after Hebrews. It's before Revelation, though you've got a couple other short ones before that. But James 4.17 is where we're going with this one. And somebody mind reading James 4.17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Whoever knows the right thing to do but fails to do it, mm-hmm. it's a sin. That's describing a sin of omission. Jacob should know better. He's 40 years old or more, and he's going in, he's deceiving dad. He knows full well what he's doing, and he knows full well this is wrong. He should be saying, dad, I'm sorry. He should be saying, dad, I confess, but he's not. It's a sin of omission. That's a challenge to us, too, because a lot of times sin of omission is not even on our radar. A lot of times we think, well, it's no problem. I have no weight I need to bear by not saying anything. I'm fine. But sometimes God would say, no, you need to say something. (laughs) Or sometimes we might say, you know, as long as I don't do anything, I'm fine. Well, God might be saying, there are times when you need to do something. So by not doing it or by not saying it, you could be sinning, thinking you're in safe territory. Oh, I don't want to involve myself in that situation. I don't want to involve myself in that relationship. I don't want to involve myself in that. It's just going to blow up. It's just going to get out of hand. Mm -hmm. And we back off when sometimes God would say, that's where I need you right now. I need you to be that person. I need you to be that voice. The sin of omission. You should be saying something. You should be doing something. Sometimes when we're not, it's a sin. All right? Moving back to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. We're starting the blessing there. We see that the blessing has started. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. The smell of a field here, you're living in an arid land. All right? So how is this a blessing? Smell of a field, big Mm -hmm. deal. You know? Well, in an arid land, it's better to smell like a field than a wasteland. It's better to smell like flowers than to smell like dirt and sand. (laughs) So this is just the start, though. It gets better as it goes from there. Here's one thing I want you to realize, though. 
by dad starting the blessing, he's convinced now. He's convinced this is the right son. This is Esau. Sometimes we believe what we want to believe despite the evidence. Right? Because that's the case here. He had six different points of concern, six different points of doubt. And despite those doubts and despite those concerns, he goes forward anyway. He wants to believe it's Esau. And it's not. He's trusting his senses, and his senses are fooling him. One lesson we can learn from this is, number one, we often have a tendency to believe what we want to believe despite the evidence. And number two, that our senses can actually lead us astray. If we trust our senses over God's word, that's an error. If God's word would conflict what our senses are telling us, we need to trust God's word and suspect our senses are leading us astray. Regarding sometimes we believe what we want to believe, I have here in August 1954 a syndicated newspaper column based in Washington, D.C., described the following. During closed committee considerations of the farm program, Chairman George D. Aiken of the Senate Agriculture Committee convulsed his colleagues by telling a witness, don't confuse me with the facts, my mind is already made up. This seems to be the case here with Isaac, the dad. He's like, don't confuse me with the facts. Six times, six times he's got concerns that this is not the right kid, and he goes forward anyway, don't confuse me with the facts. (laughs) Don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind. So by the end, he gets here, and he's like, I've already made up my mind, and he's being led astray by his own senses. Verse 28 continues on with the blessing, and this is all in poetic form. It's got couplets and pairs of wordings as it goes. But somebody might reading verse 28. May God give you of heaven's dew and of the earth's richness an abundance of rain and new wine. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven. Of the dew of heaven in this land that we live in, If we want something to grow, what do we do? We turn on the sprinklers, (laughs) right? We have irrigation systems pretty much wired, all right? In that setting, no, you don't turn on sprinklers. So the dew is a really important thing for your crops, all right? So when you're praying that your son will be blessed from the dew of heaven, you're praying that they would be bountifully provided for, all right, agriculturally speaking. And in that society, it was an agrarian society. So you're praying for blessings in the main area where you're going to have your wealth, all right? And then Mike's version has something different. My version has of the fatness of the earth, all right, Mm -hmm. of the fatness of the earth. Some of you, I can see your heads are nodding that you have those wordings as well. In our day and age when we're all concerned about having too much weight, you know, and we're getting obese and fat is a bad word, right? And we think, oh, oh, fat is bad. Well, no, not in biblical way of using it, all right? Fatness is not necessarily a bad thing in the way that the Bible uses it, in the way that the Bible uses it, and specifically here, fatness is excess, all right? He's praying that there's going to be an overabundance of blessings upon him, all right? So that's what the blessing's for here. And then it's supported by the next line as well, and plenty or excess of grain and wine. So he's praying upon his son. He thinks it's Esau. I pray that you would have an abundance agriculturally. I pray that you'd have your cup overflowing with grain and new wine. I pray that the earth would just give you of its bounty and that that you wouldn't have to eke out a a meager sustenance from the earth, that it would just overflow in blessings for you. And then verse 29, somebody might reading verse 29. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. Do you remember the promise that God gave to Abraham over in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3? It was verses 1, 2, and 3, but 3 in particular. Go over there. The original blessings that God had promised to Abraham. In verses 1, 2, and 3, it says this, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham ends up having a son, and his son is Isaac. And the blessing gets transferred, passed down from Abraham to Isaac. And then Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. That's the ones that we're looking at right now. And it's supposed to be that Isaac will be passing the blessing on to Jacob, as was promised before the boys were even born. But he's trying to pass the blessing on to Esau and much more than what was originally promised. Because if you look over here in verse 29, going back to 27:29, what does it say? Let peoples serve you. You remember the promise that was given to Rebecca when she was pregnant. It was going to be two boys in your womb, and they're going to become great nations, and the older is going to serve the younger, right? So in that context, it was one-on-one, and as they would develop in their families and their family lines, that the younger family line would become greater than this older family line. But here, verse 29, it says, let peoples serve you instead of people, instead of your brother, and nations bow down to you instead of the nation that your brother is going to represent. Be master over your brethren, all right, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Your brethren, we don't have any record that there's any other kids in this family. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't. We don't know. The Bible is kind of silent on that. But here the word suggests that it's over in abundance. It's like instead of your brother's going to serve you, it's your brothers are going to serve you. Instead of the nation your brother represents is going to serve you, it's the nations are going to serve you. It's that your sons will bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Those two we can clearly see in chapter 12, verse 3. That was part of the Abrahamic promise. The promise that God gave to Abraham, that Abraham passed on to Isaac, and now Isaac is passing on. In a sense, he's poetically saying, I want you to be everything. I want you to be sovereign. I want you to be in charge. Everything is yours. Everything I have to give, and everything God would give you, and everything the earth would give you. I'm putting it all with you. And we're going to see later when Esau comes in and finds out about the blessing, he's going to say, Dad, you gave it all away. There's nothing left for me. Everything you could have given, you've given to Jacob. We're going to see that next time. I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. <laughs> all right. So what do we see here? What are some of the key points? Well, number one, concern and doubt, right? We had no fewer than six, and you can make an argument there were more. No fewer than six occasions, the dad is concerned, that dad has a doubt that this is the right son. Dad is sensing that this is not the right boy, but he moves forward anyway. We have a tendency to believe what we want to believe, despite what the evidence might say. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. All right. In this situation, we have Isaac, and it seems right, but no, this is not the right way to go. Romans 14, 12 says this, But he who doubts, is Isaac doubting? Six times he doubted. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. What does that verse say? It says, if you move forward with doubts, then you're sinning. We should be careful about moving forward when we have doubts that would suggest to us, no, 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 no. This isn't the right way to go. This isn't the right son. All right. And then another place right here. A prudent man, this is Proverbs 22, 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. What does that suggest for this passage here? It suggests this. Isaac, with his doubts, being a prudent man, if he was a prudent man, he should say to himself, no, there's something not right, and hold <coughs> off on moving forward. But instead, what does he do? He moves forward and says, the simple pass on and are punished. The simple. The simple, that's a quaint way of saying the stupid. All right? So what, what would that describe Isaac's actions here? Stupid. All right. You have six times that you doubted that this was the right boy and you moved forward anyway. That was dumb. That was a dumb choice. <laughs> All right. And then also we see up here, what do we see? Wickedness by Jacob. We see lying and lying 
and covetousness and blasphemy and an intent to deceive and then an act in furtherance to deceive, another lie, attempt to manipulate, and then sin of omission at the end there. So I'd ask, what's your background? All right, here's why I would ask that. Because if God can use this guy, <laughs> he could probably use you and me too. If God can accomplish his will through this guy, he can probably accomplish his will in your life. And there's no place for the devil to be able to whisper into your ear, yeah, but you're worse than this guy. All right? God might have been able to use him, but he can't use you because you're worse. You've done worse things. In one meal? In one meal? <laughs> okay? This is just a snapshot, folks. This is a snapshot of who this person is. And if God can use a person like that, God can still use a person like you and me. All right? So some of the challenges there are to recognize that don't listen to the devil when he would whisper to you, yeah, God can't use you. You've disqualified yourself by the choices you've made, by the things that you've done. God doesn't want anything to do with you. No. God loves you, and he's able to work with you just as you are, and he's able to take you from the place that you are and make you into the person he wants you to become. All right? Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get, uh, spend time in your word again. We thank you, Lord, that your word can never be exhausted. We thank you, Lord, that we can always find something that you would say to us as we would read through your word. Your spirit is able to do that. We pray that your spirit would take the message that you've spoken to us individually today and that uh, you would help us to be able to figure out what it is that you would be challenging us in. We pray that you would help us to see the conclusion that you can also use us. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to learn from examples that we have in your word. Sometimes there's good examples and sometimes there's bad. And today was an example, Lord, or today we had examples of, of bad choices. People moving forward when they had hesitations and concerns saying, don't go down this road, and they did anyway. People that should have stopped before they had gotten too far, but they committed sin after sin, lie after lie, living by patterns of deceit. Pray that you would help us, Lord, to learn from the bad examples, things not to do. We thank you, God, for your patience with us. We've all fallen short of you, Lord, and we thank you that your death has made an even playing field. Thank you for your blood and for your forgiveness and second chances. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, amen. you guys have a great week. Thank you so much. All right.